The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And broadcasting from his in-laws house. This is your grandpa-in-law, maybe. It's it's Scott Chu. Scott, how's it going? Doing good. I'm uh the classic podcasting location of your wife's parents' basement. Oh, everybody so does that, like, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel <laughs> like I'm I'm legit now because I can record from my wife's parents' basement. Uh, if, if you haven't done that, you ha- you're not really a podcaster, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already uh broadcasted or podcasted from a hotel room earlier in the season right uh and you know i mean look it's it's the life of a fantasy analyst right you write articles wherever you can uh, whether it be uh, on the way to work on a train on a bus or but uh, you know everyone should appreciate the effort that you're making <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta dig deep to uh to uh, find ways to talk about fantasy baseball that doesn't bore everyone else to death and sometimes <laughs> that's uh that's in a hotel room sometimes yeah, that's yeah. on a bus yeah uh, and, and look, hey, if anyone's listening, we appreciate it. And I'm sure there are people that are listening and we do appreciate your support. The fact that you're listening while week two of the NFL season is uh, fully underway just shows your dedication out there to fantasy baseball and baseball itself. And uh, Scott and I love baseball and uh, want to thank you for checking in with us this week. And uh, Scott, you're not at a wedding. I know you, it seems like every other week you're at a wedding. So, yeah, my wife's popular. I'm not, but my wife is very popular. So, so what do you what do you do at a wedding? Do you, are you the kind of guy that just hangs out in the corner, uh, just checking his phone all the time? Do you, do you get up and dance? Do you do what, what's what's Scott Chu like at a wedding? Who is Chu? Uh, he is someone who uh, eats and then eats a little more and then gets dragged around by his wife. Uh, that is generally what I'm doing. So I might be dancing if she feels like dancing uh-huh. or I might be eating if she feels like eating or I might be messing around on my phone because she's tired. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Very <All> scripted. Right. <laughs> so um, glad that you could be with us, Scott. Thanks for making the effort. And hey, this is going to be our last regular season podcast. So wanted to get one in for you. And during the off season, we're going to be uh, broadcasting every other week and we've got lots to cover and uh we're going to keep it interesting and fun for you so again thanks for tuning in so let's start with just some some news there scott uh hyun jin ryu one of your favorites uh today placed on the il 
Toronto Blue Jay starting pitcher due to a, a strained neck. Yeah, and you know, at least it at least it wasn't till September that they shut him down for the season. You know, um, a, a really up and down season for Hyunjin Ryu got blew up a couple times. Uh, really interesting to think about what he's going to look like next season. This is not an injury that's going to affect him going into the off season. I mean, like uh, it might affect him for another couple of weeks or so, but you know, he's going to be fine. This is not something that would carry into 2022. So I- I'm interested to see what it looks like because we saw one of the best pitchers in baseball through 2019 and 2020. Yeah. And then again, this inconsistent season, if people react a little heavily to that, he might be a really nice opportunity for drafters a little later than maybe yep. he should be. Yeah. ERA over 10 over the past month. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, cause my Yankees are tanking and I could go on for a half hour just on, on the Yankees. And anyway, I almost feel like I don't want them to make the playoffs this way. At least I- I'm sure there's not going to be a full rebuild if they don't make the playoffs, but there'll be some changes, but maybe it'll just punctuate the need to make changes. But anyway, the reason why I say that is because I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays uh, sneak into the playoffs and you wonder if Rio would be ready uh, to pitch then. Very well could be. I think they'll make that decision on a series-by-series basis, and I think shutting him down for the rest of the regular season was the only chance they had Mm -hmm. if they get in. However, he hasn't been pitching well lately, but he was also one of their better chances to get in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a super deep rotation. So um, I think they're doing what they have to do because if they're going to win in the playoffs, it's going to be with a three, it's going to be that three man rotation yep. and it doesn't line up quite as well with some of their opponents, but Hey, you got Robbie Ray at the top. So mm-hmm. if they can get in they're They're obviously very dangerous. I think yes. a lot of, I think a lot of teams would like to see them just miss. And in real life baseball, if they don't win a world series within the next three years, I'd be very, very surprised. Uh, incredible offense, some good young pitching, uh, some of it in the major leagues now, and then some of it on its way here. And so uh, as a Yankee fan, that makes me sad. But anyway, they've got uh, a picture that they're going to be facing tomorrow. Shane Baz. I hope I pronounced that last name correct. I tried to find the pronunciation, so I'll just go with the way I feel that it's pronounced. But Shane Baz, another Rays prospect, is being promoted, and he's going to be facing the Razor, feeding him to the Wolves. Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe it's, you know, the opponent that's facing the Wolf, right? He's been unbelievable in the minor leagues, especially the last three seasons. I mean, obviously he did not pitch. uh, We don't know how he was in, sorry, I should say, we don't know how he was in 2020. There was good reports, but Mm -hmm. obviously we don't have those numbers, but like this season in the minor leagues, it was a total of um, 78.2 innings pitched and strikeout rates that are just awesome, right? Yeah, 40% when it was in double A, 36% mm-hmm. in triple A, not walking anybody. Um, he's just been unbelievable down impressive. there. Yep. So, you know, like obviously in a spot start situation, spot starting for the Rays is really scary <laughs> because they don't let the regular starters go very long, mm-hmm. right? How long are they going to let a spot starter? But at least if you look back at his game logs in the minor league, something that's easy to do on like fan graphs, at least he went six innings last time. So it's not as though he isn't stretched out, but even no. in, you know, that was his first six inning start this season, right? Everything else was four or five innings. That's a realistic expectation. Now he can still do very, very well with that, right? He can, he can pitch really well, like four or five really good innings, but the wind's going to be really tough uh, unless they have like an opener and 
um, you know, it's not going to be a big number of strikeouts. It's really going to be more of a ratio game for him. So the margin for error is tight, but God, not many people are pitching as well as he is in the minor leagues. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, his strikeout rate, just on the 13 strikeouts per nine innings uh, this season, one and a half walks per nine. Would you have the, the guts to start him? Like, let's say if you're in a, uh, a playoff situation in a, you know, one of these uh, leagues where it's head to head, I guess it's possible he, he might get two starts this week. Uh, would you would you take a chance and pitch him against the, the uh, Blue Jays? I mean, what do I need? Right. I mean, this point in the season, we're talking 12 to 14 games left for all teams. Right. How many starts is that? Who's getting four starts the rest of the season? Right. I mean, that's probably the, the max. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the available options are low. Right. On one hand, not as many teams in your league are trying to stream pitchers. On the other hand, um, there's not much time. Is there right? If, if you're just desperate for innings and ratios. Yes. I would totally do it mm-hmm. if it's a tight race and you know, I'm not sure he's somehow to use to just get, you know, just to get me over the hump. I'm not sure that's there. I don't want to say he's a desperate play, but it's more of a deep league slash. I really need innings, right? Mm-hmm. I just need mm-hmm. all the innings I can get. And there's only so many innings available, particularly from someone with this kind of upside. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk closers and we're moving at a fast pace because Look, it's the end of the season. We got to get as much information to you as possible. Uh, but uh, Jake McGee, who has served as the uh, San Francisco Giants, who have been one of the surprise teams, of course, in baseball this year. Uh, Jake McGee went to the IL with an oblique strain. Tyler Rogers, who kind of backed up McGee in the beginning of the season, they were kind of co-closers, but McGee kind of took over that spot. And uh, Tyler Rogers uh, looked like he was going to take over as the closer, but now uh, looking like maybe uh, Dominic Leone could also be in line for some saves. Uh, And I'm just going to give you a few other names from bad teams. Uh, Gregory Soto now, your uh, Tigers, went to the IL with a fractured finger. Looks like Fulmer's going to be the closer there. You got Joe Barlow for the Rangers, Kyle Finnegan, Chris Stratton. You don't always need to go to teams like the Giants to find saves, especially if you need saves now for these this last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, but do go to the Giants for saves oh, if yeah. you need them yeah. and get Tyler Rogers. He's a really interesting pitcher to watch. He throws like submarine. Uh, he throws this slider that goes up. Right. It's, it's really bizarre. I mean, just look at what pitching ninjas done him a ton of times. You know, I know Nick has, has talked about him before. He's got really weird stuff and it, you would think that his strikeout rate would be a lot higher uh, from the way he pitches. And if you go and look at the game log, which is always kind of fun with relievers, he's got like a bunch of zero strikeout games and a weird number of three strikeout mm-hmm. innings, right? Cause he never throws more than one inning. Uh, like I think he's done that once or twice this season, but he throws one inning and it seems like he either strikes everyone out or is just totally dominant or, you know, they just, they read the submarine well and they hit it hard. The nice thing about the giants is that their upcoming schedule is not scary, right? Uh, they actually have one of the, the weakest schedules around. So they're tougher games. They do have six games against the Padres coming up, but if the Giants win those games, those are likely save opportunities, right? Like that's not certainly not unwinnable for one of the best teams in baseball. They have one game against Atlanta and then six sweet, sweet games against Arizona and Colorado. 
So there are saves in there. And mm-hmm. even if, like normally at this point in the season, I would say do not go for the platoons. There's not enough opportunities. But the Giants are a team where every game is winnable. They have a bunch of teams that are very beatable for them. And they have a pitcher who they have relied upon all season, right? So Tyler Rogers has been there for them all season. He's gotten tons of hold for them. He has 28 holds on the season and a 1.97 ERA. Like the strikeouts aren't quite there, but he doesn't walk guys. He never gives up home runs. This is exactly, exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. And again, the strikeout numbers are going to be really come and go, right? Like he'll strike out three guys because they just can't, you know, the sliders on and they can't handle it looking like it's going to hit him in the chin or, you know, they're reading it well and they make some more contact, but you can't pass it up. If he is out there, you have to get him. Mm-hmm. A couple other guys I was thinking about, um, you know, Michael Fulmer has been good lately, right? Now he's like, he's been a little hit and miss this season, but this month, at least he only gave up run, a run in one appearance. And the rest of the time he's getting some strikeouts. He does have um, a save in two of his last three games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm down with that, right? Um, the Tigers, again, if they win, it's going to be tight, right? And it's not as though, again, it's not as though that their schedule is like unbeatable, right? They've got three games against the Twins and three games against the Royals. You're telling me the Tigers can't beat them a couple times, right? I know they can, right? Six games against the White Sox is no fun, but the other half are good, right? And that's the reason I keep bringing this up is because that's what's so important in terms of like looking at these closers, especially some of these bottom of the barrel closers. Like how many winnable games are out there for them? How many games are out there where you feel like they have a chance, right? Because if you're looking at a team like um, Arizona, right? Not only are they a bad team, they've got three games against the Giants, three games against the Dodgers, a game against Houston and four against Atlanta. How many wins are they pulling out there, right? How many wins? Like you could tell me, if you told me, well, this guy's the closer for Arizona, I'd be like, and what's he going to get two? <laughs> right? Like that's a horrible schedule for him. So really look at the schedules for these closers, really get an idea of, what, you know, what are the winnable games out there? Um, what are the opportunities? I mean, one guy you listed in the notes uh, from Texas, uh, that's some, you know, Texas is a team where their schedule is not so bad, right? Mm-hmm. Three against the Yankees who are hit miss, mm-hmm. one against White Sox, but then four against Baltimore, three against the Angels, three against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Those are games that they, they are, I'm not saying they're going to win. They can. They can. They, if yeah. they're going to win, it's against mm-hmm. teams like that. Right. right. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're after. So, I mean, that's really my approach to some of these closers. Now, like stuff matters a little bit, but it's opportunity, opportunity, mm-hmm. opportunity, opportunity. And I mean that, I mean, that's also why I, you know, there's guys with more talent that I was sort of almost less interested in. Like, so Chris Stratton taking over David Bednar, like you said, for the, for the pirates, not only are they not good, those four games against the Phillies, six against the Reds, those are tougher matchups, right? That And it leaves just three games against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of like, it's hard to get more than one save in a series. Like two is a miracle. So, I mean, how many, how many saves is that? So make that, you know, sort of do a little bit of that, uh, that calculus by looking at that remaining schedule and just seeing like, if they, like how many series can they win? Cause if you win a series, you know, there's a f- decent chance you get the sa- you get a save in the series. How many series can they win? Right, like game by game, that's hard. But how many series could they win? That's how you do it. And like a team like the Giants, they could win every series yes, they have they left. Mm-hmm. Whereas Arizona will not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yep. maybe, but they won't. So that that's really what you're trying to do to find those uh, those last minute relievers. Yep. All right. Very good advice. 
let's move on and uh, we're going to take a look at some uh, hitters that have been uh, kind of hot lately. And this guy, you kind of like, you just brought him up just like, you know, matter of factly a few weeks ago. And he ended up being a really nice player. Jose Siri, right, with the uh, the Astros. So take a bow with with him. Uh, with Michael Brantley on the IL uh, due to some right knee soreness, is uh, starting to see some semi-regular at-bats. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, Siri on your Apple phone. Hey, Siri, can you give me fantasy production? And he's been getting it done. So the seasoned 26-year-old rookie, he's got good power and speed. Uh, up until um, Saturday's action, had played in nine games and already had three stolen bases. Strikes out a ton, but also a good fielder. So, uh, you know, if Brantley continues to be out, Astros might keep him in the mix. Yeah, so one thing about Siri, uh, when I brought him up, it was because I didn't think that they had a lot of center field options out there. We weren't sure. And, and they ended up finding some other guys to play center, but Siri can do it. That should keep him on the roster for the rest of the season, especially with Brantley out. Here's the thing about Jose Siri. I didn't bring him up because I thought he was this amazing talent. I brought him up because he was raking in the minor leagues. And he's got this approach. And, and I'm almost afraid to make this comparison because I don't want you to think that I think that their career trajectories are the same. It's just more of a, an approach plus power speed combo. Guy you might remember by the name of Aristides Aquino, right? So uh, he was with the Reds, went on this crazy home run tear, and no one has really heard much from him since, right? Because... You know, he like set the record for home runs for a rookie in X number of games. I mean, just all this stuff. And he went away. It's because he's extremely aggressive at the plate. And pitchers didn't really know how to attack him because here's the thing. You can, you can throw outside of the zone and still have the guy hit a home run, right? Like, especially these young athletic, like really high athleticism players like a Jose Siri, who's got a mm-hmm. ton of power and speed. Thing is, he's also going to strike out a boatload. I, I think that he's a pretty decent play for stolen bases um, because he also pinch runs. So if he doesn't start, he still pinch runs. So if, you know, you don't have a ton of hitters on your bench and you're like, well, you know, I've got this dead spot because he's not starting. That's not true. He may actually steal a base. And guess what? He's about to start a four game series against the angels who are really bad at stopping runners, right? So you got a four game series. You've got Jose Siri who, yeah, he might strike out quite a few times, but he may also hit a home run because that's all he's trying to do anyway. And either he gets enough starts or enough pinch running opportunities. He's got a really good chance to steal a base or two in yes. this series. So mm-hmm. if that's what you're trying to do, I'm absolutely all about that. Right. Especially if you've been relying on, uh, you know, there are other players out there you may have been relying on to try to get a stolen base. Uh, I know you might've picked up like a God, throwing names out, out of my head, but like a Lorenzo Kane, who's now day to day. And the brewers are going to face the Cardinals who are really, really good at stopping stolen bases. So, he's definitely a guy that I think has some value in these like five outfield leagues and the three outfield. There's just not enough there. He's not going to, you know, he might not play enough, but five outfield leagues, there's something there. There's power and speed and mm-hmm. there's not enough time in the season, quite frankly, for pitchers to figure him out all that much. Yeah. Right. You can just yeah. swing away. Yep. Um, let's move on to Frank Schwindel, who's been uh, playing first base for the Cubs since uh, Anthony Rizzo was moved uh, to the Yankees. And uh, you, you look at this guy, uh, has a, a long uh, minor league career and a successful one where he hit for 286, uh, had good power. So, uh, you know, basically when, I first, when he first came to, we spoke about him a few weeks ago, nice 
fantasy fill-in player, we thought, but he's forgotten that he's just a, a fantasy fill-in player, right? So I'm looking at, you know, he's he's been in and out of the major leagues for a few years, not not much, but uh, a 40 home run, 162 game average. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what the Cubs spring training is going to be looking like. I mean, the, this guy might stick. Yeah. And you know, when we talked about him, what was really interesting and I didn't have a lot of like scouting analysis on Frank Schwindel. He's a long, like you said, a long time minor league, uh, minor leaguer, um, good plate discipline, not because he walks a ton, but because he makes plenty of contact, puts a lot of balls in play, walks enough, I guess. And that's kind of what he's doing now. The six and a half percent walk rate, uh, 16.1% strikeout rate. That's pretty normal. Um, What's amazing, number one, it's just like the, every day the guy's got two hits, right? But when you look at that history, the th- when we last talked about him, the thing I said that was interesting is that he leaves teams and then they bring him back mm-hmm. multiple times, right? When you see that once, it's usually like a rule five thing, right? Like they went to this other team and then the other team sent them down. So he had to go, they had to return him. But the Royals took him back. The Tigers took him back. Uh, and I think um, Oakland took him back. Right. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oakland. Yeah. Oakland took him back. So like teams kept bringing him back. Why do you bring back a 25, 26, 28, now 29 year old minor leaguer? Because there's something there. And apparently this is what they saw. None of us saw it, but apparently in there, they had been hoping that he could make this kind of consistent contact with power. The Cubs are getting it right. Mm -hmm. And good for them. I think you got to keep starting him because he's hitting right in the middle of the lineup. Uh, they don't, they're not facing a ton of tough pitching coming up. Um, they're facing some, you know, some teams that, you know, they're going to put some guys out there that are vulnerable to right-handed hitters and that's what Schwindel is. So, uh, and what else, you know, what else are you going to do? How, there's no, there's nothing. You, I mean, he should already be rostered in every league. If he's not, you need to get him and you just need to plug him in and mm-hmm. not worry about the why. Right. right? right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you again that, oh yeah, these other teams, they saw something. So that means something. And like, I can tell you that, but also at the end of the day, the results at this point, they just make it. So you, you just play it you need and you don't worry about the it next yet. couple of weeks. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a tricky draft problem. Yes. Next season. But mm-hmm. right now he's easy. Yeah, you yeah. just start him. Mm-hmm. How about Lane Thomas uh, with the nationals uh, spent the first 32 games of the season with the Cardinals batted just one Oh four for them, but uh, got traded to the nationals been batting lead off and look, it's agreeing with him in, in his first 31 games with the nationals. He's compiled a 308, 397, 538 triple slash and scored 23 runs and driven in 22 during that time period. So uh, just looking at the difference in his approach uh, from when he was with the Cardinals, he's been a little bit more aggressive at the plate and uh, also just a little bit more uh, disciplined too. Uh, his K rate dropped from 29.3 when he was with the Cardinals to 21.3. Like I said, batting uh, we, at the top of the order seems to be agreeing with him. Good power and speed combo too. Yeah. And I mean, he was, he was really log jammed over in St. Louis when they had like 16 bazillion outfielders at any mm-hmm. given time. Some of which played gold glove defense. Others had power and speed. And then there was Lane Thomas who doesn't quite do any of that. Right. So he always kind of looked like this backup outfielder. Uh, but with Washington, of course, a backup, outf- a backup outfielder for other teams is a starter in Washington right now. So look, yeah. he's leading off. That's a really nice gig for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the RBI are really weird. <laughs> he's getting a lot of RBI from for the, a leadoff hitter yeah. in the National League. 
mm-hmm. right? That's bizarre. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to overanalyze it or anything. I'm saying that the teams, the bottom of the order for the nationals is somehow hitting right now and he's taking advantage of it. So like, cool. <laughs> I wish no. I had like more, like you can't runs in RBI are fairly difficult to project, but again, they're going to face some teams that, you know, they're about to go on a very, very long road trip, right? They've got Miami, Cincinnati, and Colorado. Uh, I love to have him when he's in Colorado and even in Cincinnati, right? Because Cincinnati doesn't, they pitch okay, but they're not like shut down pitching. They've got the nice small park. At Miami is tough. They've got good pitching and a big old ballpark. I think that, you know, if you're playing that whole ride the hot hand, which is a really decent strategy this time in the season, you can go for it as a fifth outfielder and a 12-teamer. But otherwise, I mean there's not a lot to project going forward, right? Like he's, he's not that good of a hitter. Mm-hmm. He's good enough. And again, these counting stats, I just don't see how they stick around. Um, just super hard to project. And the bottom of a really bad order is not usually a spot for all those RBI. So I wouldn't keep counting on those, but he could continue to score some runs and be useful for sure. All right. Next guy that I, I put on our rundown, maybe better suited to talk about, in the off season, but I'll just bring them up. And if you have like one thing you want to say about him, it's fine. Austin Hayes. I mean, the who had a classic tune won't get fooled again. This is the kind of guy that uh, it seems like every September he would just go off. Right. And then you get all excited and you think, wow, you know, I'm going to grab this guy in preseason drafts. And, you know, maybe nobody noticed that he had a big September, but he's still only 25 years old, but I'm looking at his overall numbers. They're actually very good and he's probably widely owned, but Austin Hayes, 21 homers, two, 54 batting average uh has he finally arrived uh kind of <laughs> right yeah. so uh it, it's i mean for him it's all about power and mm-hmm. it disappeared in the summer right right i mean like i don't always tell people to just go look at the monthly splits because months are actually a fairly arbitrary breaking point mm-hmm. right like what's the difference between june 30th and july 1st like nothing right? But we just draw this arbitrary line. But what you do see is that in those summer months, that power evaporated. He had a hard time getting playing time uh, in those months. Uh, He was at first, he was platooning a bit with Cedric Mullins and then Cedric Mullins decided he wanted to be a AL MVP candidate. So uh, (laughs) it wasn't a platoon anymore. There's power here in this right-handed bat. I I think, you know, he's, he's young enough. He's got a little bit of speed he's going to be a guy that I think might get a bit over drafted mm-hmm. um, because he's really aggressive, not like strikeout aggressive, just like, but he does make a lot of bad contact mm. because he's willing to hit everything. Now he doesn't miss quite as much, which is cool, but it also, you know, that bad contact can be really tough. He never walks. So like in OBP leagues, he's not that great, but I think he's going to be a lot. He's going to be a late power target. He's a guy that, in a full season, especially because he plays in Baltimore, I could see him having a 30 home run season, mm-hmm, 25, mm-hmm. 30 home run, not unlike his teammate, Anthony Santander, right? Yeah. Like I could see that kind of production, but like, again, how much are you willing to like put chips down on this is my sleeper? Cause I think he could be Anthony Santander, right? Right. Like that's, there's the, what the that's upside this season, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, uh, I know firsthand. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's home run upside with a non painful batting average, right? which right. is cool. Mm-hmm. But again, in context, right. It's cool in context as a fourth or fifth outfielder in 12 team leagues. Excellent analysis. One thing I just will bring up is for the rest of the season, when he's uh, batting against left-handed pitching, might want to use him for DFS. If you know, you're just playing around, 
301 batting average against lefties, 219 against righties. But very oh, good. Especially at home. Yeah. You yeah. Got to yeah. do it. Yes. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck, uh, first baseman for the Red Sox. Um, you know, classic tale of a power hitter, right? Just, <laughs> you know, just goes on a streak and he's on a streak now, right? His last seven games, 320 batting average, 414 OBP, 840 slug. So, right, like you said before, maybe ride the hot hand. Yeah, and gosh, how many times are we going to talk about a guy like this, right? So, <laughs> high, high strikeout, doesn't walk a ton, but he, I mean, how different is he from Miguel Sano? Hmm. How different is he from, uh, you know, any other left-handed? Hopefully a little bit better, but I get what you're <laughs> Right, to but, yeah. but I mean, that's what we're talking about. And yeah. what's going to be really interesting is, especially going into the offseason, the final numbers don't tell you about the ride, right? They don't tell you about what those numbers looked like because I'll tell you, he was absolutely unrosterable in fantasy for quite a bit this season. I mean, just could not roster him. Like, yeah, he's going to get to like 25 home runs, but a bunch of those home runs didn't count for anybody because you could not play him. He was terrible, right? So, I mean, yes, we could have this narrative that he learned a little bit more and maybe he's striking out a little bit less lately. Of course, he's on a hitting streak and he's definitely finding power. He's got, um, I think coming into Sunday's games, he had an extra base hit in like four straight games hitting home runs. He swiped a base, which surprised me. Um, Cause this is like an all power guy, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. 65, 70 grade power, no hit tool. Right. These players are really, really hard to get that excited about. The Tigers had a guy like this named Christian Stewart. Uh, it's just really hard to get too excited about them because they turn into right-handed platoon bats so fast. Like his career trajectory could be something really cool. And it could be Daniel Vogelbach, right? Who, but walking less, <laughs> which is a problem, right? right? So that's, that's the fear here. Uh, you know, you can ride the hot hand, except the only reason I, I'm going to just put a, but number one, two games off this week for the Red Sox. So if you're in a weekly league, obviously your lineup probably already set by the time you heard this. If it didn't keep that in mind, two off games this week, that's painful. And the matchups aren't great. It's the Mets and the Yankees who pitch. Okay. And they aren't super vulnerable to left-handed bats. So mm-hmm. I'm probably, you know, I've got a couple leagues where I don't have a better option like it's him versus Kyle Seeger or something so it's it's Dahlbeck but in those shallower leagues especially like a Yahoo league where there's no corner infield and it's just third base it might be time to get off the ride for just a little bit just for a little bit but you know just something to keep an eye on if things go poorly the rest of the season it's not so much because he's not growing it's because this is what he is mm-hmm. he's a guy who gets hot and yes again when when he gets hot matchups don't matter anymore but like you can't predict when heat ends. And when you see some tough matchups plus off days at a time in the season where there's not much time left, it makes the decision more difficult. I'm not saying he's a must bench. I'm just saying, look at what's on your bench before you just lock him in. Cause he's hot. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next couple players, both getting basically at least a second chance within the same season. Gavin Lux, former big time Dodger prospect, uh, Tell you the truth, he's partially responsible for uh, contributed to killing one of my 15 team uh, fantasy baseball leagues. Got demoted because he was terrible. Uh, played 17 games with AAA and said, oh, that's how you hit a baseball. All of a sudden, <laughs> now he's back with the Dodgers. Uh, known as a, a t- second baseman, but now he's playing some outfield and uh, showing some signs of life in his uh, last 
eight games, batting 381 with a 500 OBP and 524 slug. And uh, I'll, I'll say it again, this is a time of year where, you know, you see some players that are really killing it at the end of the season, and it might drive up their draft price next season. And another guy I'll bring up, and then you could just put your analysis together. Garrett Hampson uh, from the Rockies. We always love how the Rockies manage their players, right? Um, getting a chance now to play some center field, um, batting from the top of the lineup, and actually doing real well uh, over uh, his last, ooh, just about 23 games. Yeah, uh, 269 batting average. But even in his last couple of weeks, 306, getting better. Last week, batting 412. So these are guys that are getting like a a second chance to see what they could do. Let's start with Garrett Hampson because look, when we do like our off season stuff, I'm going to be like, don't fall for it. Mm. Well, as we're talking about the last two weeks of the season, fall for it because he's about to have three straight series at home, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, He's going to get the Dodgers, the Giants and the Nationals. And those aren't like great. I mean, the Washington Nationals are a great matchup, but He's going to get plenty of opportunities. The The Dodgers might be good at pitching. They're not good at stopping stolen bases. So he's going to have opportunities there and he could still get a single or a double in any particular game because it's in Colorado, right? So he comes a little bit matchup proof. Then he's got San Francisco, who again is pretty good, but it's going to be in Colorado. They're not great at stopping stolen bases. And they're, I think he's going to draw like some of the weak, like the weaker part of the, that rotation. That doesn't mean much because they've been very strong, but he should get the back end of that rotation. And then again, of course he gets the Nats where the whole Nats rotation is the back end of that rotation. So lots of good opportunities for Garrett Hampson. I think you got to be all over that. As far as Gavin Lux goes for this next series, I'm interested because it's in Colorado, right? But after that, he's going to bat seventh or eighth. He might not play a certain day because the Dodgers don't need him to. Um, And until like at this point, I'm really excited about the talent this kid has, but until he shows me that he can slug 450. Mm-hmm. Like I have to readjust what I expect from him and the power has to come way down. I love the hit tool. And a lot of times these hit tool guys turn that into more power. He has not, he hasn't really done it in the minors. He's not done it in the majors. There's something there to unlock. It hasn't been unlocked yet. And I can no longer like we're getting to the point now where it's like, we can't just assume it will. There's like a gray science in there about like when to kind of tip the scale. And for me, the scale got tipped where it's like, I'm going to be so excited if he shows something. Mm-hmm. but I'm not going to bank on it until it starts happening. He's a guy that like, I'd love to hear in spring training hits like six home runs, right? Yeah. That's what I'd love because I don't care what against, against what pitching it is. Cause he's never done that against any pitching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I want to see. But until that happens, I'm very skeptical. Gotcha. Okay. And I agree with you as you should be skeptical. Um, so let's take a look at uh, three names that are fairly recent call-ups, and uh, tell me if, if you think that you know they're worth anything uh, for rest of season, or maybe they're better off as just uh, guys that should be on your watch list, and you know for, for uh, next season. Lewin Diaz for the Marlins. Uh, overall stats pretty ugly, but over the past week, batting 300 with two home runs in his last eight games, um, getting some playing time with uh, Jesus Aguiar on the IL and Marlins just checking him out thinking that maybe he could be their first baseman of the future Uh, says he's gotten more comfortable and and confident at the plate, getting more regular playing time. Kyle Isbell. I think we spoke about him a while ago. Royals outfielder spent the first few weeks of April with the Royals, but 
uh, had a, a 41.7 K rate. They sent him down. Uh, he fixed his, his uh, uh, hitting tool a bit. Uh, in 104 games, batted 269 with 15 homers and 22 stolen bases. Those 15 homers and 22 stolen bases kind of open your eyes a bit. And more importantly, cut that strikeout rate down to 20.2. So the Royals checking him out because Michael A. Taylor is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. They were going to rebuild mode. Uh, they're always in rebuild mode uh, lately. But uh, and back to the Rockies, right? Uh, Ryan Vallade, uh MLB Pipeline uh, ranks him as the Rockies' fifth best prospect. Uh, played for AAA, batted 286, seven home runs, 27 doubles, and stole 12 bases in 104 games this season. I like the 27 doubles to go along with the seven homers because you, know, you get some of that man strength, and all of a sudden you're playing in Colorado and hitting 25 home runs. What are we thinking? Well, unfortunately for Valade, there's five. Well, let's see. There must be uh seven outfield you know guys that can play the outfield in Colorado on the big league roster right now and he's the youngest one and in Colorado so he's screwed he's got no chance like he, there's just nothing he can do right like mm-hmm. i hope he does something from like a mm-hmm. baseball perspective but from like a fantasy perspective like that's like the worst place to be the youngest outfielder for the rockies on the major league roster that's like that's you just don't mm-hmm. play like you have no chance so so that's unfortunate Kyle Isbell he has some like interesting tools, but he's like, he's weird. Cause he's going to like, he had a little bit of hype as a prospect, but that was for like regular baseball. Right. Because Isbell, he's a, he's a lefty. So he should get like a bigger side of a platoon. Like they might bench him against tough lefties. But the problem is like his best tool is his glove. And like the rest of the stuff is like pretty good, but it's hard to really project what those guys are going to do. Obviously he did quite well. Uh, in the minor leagues with the 22 stolen bases. But like, again, you look at the WRC plus 115, that's pretty good. But like, that isn't going to be quite as good in the majors. I do expect him to strike out a little more as he adjusted, which he's been doing so far. Uh, not a ton of excitement there. That's more of like an AL only play. Because again, he bats ninth in a possible platoon for the Royals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes fantasy baseball isn't that complicated. And when you bat ninth in a platoon for the Royals, you're, you know, you're, uh, the excitement you drive is going to be limited in uh in redraft league. So that brings us to Lewin Diaz, who is is interesting, right? So he's a really heavy fly ball hitter right now. A big, big power guy. Unlike these other guys, he's not in a platoon. He's gonna play, right? Uh so I, I really like that. And I love that he's got big raw power. He's actually a good fielder, not that it matters because he's a first baseman. Uh, I mean it matters, but it also doesn't matter that much. Uh so he'll play, and that's great. But he's got this heavy, heavy fly ball approach. And you know where that's bad? Miami. That's horrible in Marlins Park because it's a really pitcher-friendly place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on the road, I like him a lot more. In fact, this season, he has 10 extra base hits, right? About even number of games played, about even number of played appearances, one extra base hit at home, nine on the road. And that's because he can get the ball in the air. He's got a couple home runs, right? He's got five home runs because he can get the ball up and out of there. Right. So when he hits all those fly balls in Miami, everyone can just circle under him because the field's huge. It's a home run play for me because that's all he's really going to do. I don't expect a ton of batting average, which, you know, you probably shouldn't ever. He's never going to be like this big batting average guy, but there is power. And if you're desperate for power in a 15 teamer or maybe like a 12 teamer with big rosters, go for it. 
Yeah. All right. Good analysis and good breakdown and uh, reminding us of the limitations of trying to be a power hitter in Miami. Uh, that stadium, like you mentioned, is a pitcher's park. So um, as we close out this episode, uh, any other players that you kind of catch in your eye uh, based on soft schedules for the next week or two? Yeah, so um, if there is a Rockies starter who's available in your league, so Garrett Hampson was a good one. Um, Brendan Rogers might be kicking around somewhere uh, in your league. Uh, those guys are, are good because they have a bunch of home games coming. And if you have to bet on something, it's betting on runs being scored in Colorado, yep. right? Like <laughs> that's just the way to go. So so that's a really good one. And I, I'm almost afraid to mention this guy because everyone's mentioned him all times this season until now, I guess. Eugenio Suarez, he's looked really good in limited action this month. Um, and if he can grab some playing time, he's got some home stands against Pittsburgh and Washington, uh, which are really good matchups for him uh, particularly, but really all the right-handed bats in Cincinnati. And you know what, you know, how many guys, yeah, I hate using this line because we always use it, but like how many guys in your waiver wire have hit 40 plus home runs before? And the Not answer, many. I think it's Eugenio Suarez, <laughs> yeah. right? Or like Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols, right? Like right, right. <laughs> that's, that's the group. So uh, it's something to watch now. He's not getting a ton of playing time, but if he does, if he does, that's a place to go. The, especially those home series in, in great American ballpark, also known mm-hmm. as great American small park. It's a home run. Like you can hit home runs there. He's got a chance to do it. He just needs to get starts. And if he does, again, if he does, I'm not saying he will. I don't have any news about, oh, I think he's going to. I'm saying if he does, he could hit a couple of bombs and tank your batting average. But, you know, at this point in the season, there's only so much damage he can do to it. And if you're desperate for home runs, not a lot of guys in the labor wire have that kind of upside, especially playing at home against Pittsburgh and Washington. Just something to keep an eye on. That's a great point, because like you mentioned, this late in the season, it's tough to get your batting average to your team batting average to go up much or to go down much because uh, there's been so many at bats. So uh, good stuff. I haven't thought about Eugenio Suarez in a long time. So that's, that's, but it's a, a great uh, analysis of your part uh, to bring him up. But uh, so uh, it's been a fun season and we're going to keep going. Right, Scott. Um, got lots to talk about, you know, bounce back players. We're going to talk about Lindor Bellinger dynasty player options, uh, You've got it. We're going to have a lot of fun this off season. And uh, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're going to uh, broadcast every other week and, uh, you know, just get you ready for fantasy baseball season 2022, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a bummer. We couldn't record more in September. I know I got really busy, had some personal things going on. Uh, so a lot of that, you know, a lot of that's on me, but that's okay. Cause we're no, going to be able to go every on you, week. but yeah, yeah, but <laughs> We're going to be able to go every other week. I think it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of previews and stuff all off season. Might be able to find a couple of fun guests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as they don't charge us, I think it'll be just fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Scott, it's been great working with you and I look forward to continue to working with you. Great to be a part of the pitcher list uh, network and family. It's, it's really a, an awesome uh, place to be a part of uh, with Nick Pollock uh, uh, setting the standards. So uh, listen, follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at If The Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. 
if there's anything specific that you'd like us to go over in the off season, please let us know. You can reach us there. You can reach out to us uh, on those uh, Twitter handles that I just gave you and uh, follow at PitcherList Pods. Uh, you'll be informed anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts that are featured on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. And uh, subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. You have two weeks to bring home those championships. Keep playing. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 